Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, January 24th, 2014. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we discuss a few of our favorite APIs, Stripe, Dropbox, GitHub, Twilio, and not Facebook. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. So you love your Keurig? Yeah. It makes horrible coffee, but it makes it quickly. <laughs> it's the perfect... It's minimal effort. Yeah. It's the perfect example of convenience over quality. Yeah. And we use it We use it more for like teas and hot chocolates and hot apple ciders and stuff like that than we do coffee, actually. Yeah. We, we do all that stuff. Uh, it is our only coffee maker these days. And I admit that it's not the greatest coffee. But uh, you can get some pods are better than others. Oh, I'll have to have to um, get your recommendation on, on which ones are good. Well, you can make your own, you know. You do. Yeah. 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 So I just haven't bought the thing. Yeah, and they also have. Uh, I don't know if you guys have a Trader Joe's down there in the third world. Nope. But uh, no. Kidding. We barely have internet. I know that's too bad. Trader Joe's has these ones that are um, not quite as convenient as the regular pods but they come wrapped in like uh they're like in these little plastic bags Mm -hmm. and so when you open them you get this massive whiff of fresh ground coffee which is is like so awesome (laughs) they're like i bet i could buy them on the internet yeah 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 that'd be good i wonder i don't know if trader joe's does they must they must they probably sell them through amazon like everyone else Cool. Well, we're all cough caffeinated and teaified, and I'm actually rocking a hot apple cider, as you mentioned. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's about it's super cold here. We're expecting ten inches of snow in this afternoon. Couple, couple. Yeah, hours. we're um, we're in the middle of a here's in the middle of a snow day here. We had we've got about four inches now, and it's supposed to keep snowing until about seven o'clock tonight. So yeah. it's quite a bit for us. Yeah. Cool. Love it. My fave. Easier for me to say since I don't have to commute anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same here. Yeah, I didn't like snow when I used to have to commute. So, uh, let's see. We've got some fun stuff to talk about this week. Sort of of in our category, but a departure. I don't think we've talked about this stuff before. Uh, But first, housekeeping. Yes. I don't know if I mentioned this or not, so stop me if you've heard this one. But uh, I updated kilo maybe a week or two ago so that it, it you remember when you first tried it there were like a series of maybe a dozen fields that you could customize colors and stuff in the interface yeah that became uh that was actually really complicated to deal with yeah. a- and uh so i just yanked all those fields out and i put in one field called css <laughs> <laughs> so you can just add arbitrary css to the interface and just your CSS gets included after the main CSS file. So you can override whatever you want. Right. And I did the same thing for JavaScript. So mm-hmm. you could put in your own JavaScript. And I, so I meant to ask you about this. I can't think of any security issue that could stem from injecting JavaScript into my own version of an application. So I went ahead and did it. But if somebody, if you or someone, uh, some dear listener out there knows of some something I'm not thinking of, I'll pull that out. But 
But uh, I mean, you can inject JavaScript into a website anyway using like browser plugins and that sort of thing. So I was like, yeah, screw it. <laughs> See what happens. Yes. So Kilo is definitely the calorie tracker for web developers because you can now just <laughs> arbitrarily customize the interface with CSS and JavaScript. Next thing you know, I'll let you put in your own custom HTML and be like, why, didn't you, why don't you just build your own app? Build your own app at this point, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the uh, just try and do that in native. Use your own custom database. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so funny. Oh, man. It would that... be. If you could just, yeah, had it set up where you could just customize everything. <laughs> Either you're, you you want to connect, connect to MySQL or on, on your server or, yeah. Right. Like, what would what would even be the, it would be basically yeah. it's hosting for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would be super, that's funny. It's like totally deconstructed. I could yeah. do the, the HTML thing would be not that hard, actually. No, it wouldn't be. You could, you know, add custom HTML to uh, inject in parts of the page, header, foot, or whatever. Huh. That would be. That, I might do that. That's so. <laughs> anyway, so that was just a quick update uh, regarding Kilo and then uh, Fast Active, which is that little JavaScript snippet I wrote to make web apps feel more native by mm -hmm. listening to touch events and adding CSS classes to them instantaneously, so that you get a really, really, real quick visual feedback. Uh, the other day, I added this to a live project that uh, a client project instead of just a personal project or personal website and uh and uh came across what something that i knew would eventually happen to someone and it happened to me uh, which is that there was like a, a weird situation in the interface there's always like a weird situation right mm -hmm. and the situation was that there were um there's like a button bar there's four buttons on the on the button bar and three of them do a direct action. So uh, tapping on one of them starts and stops audio, tapping on another one fires off an SMS, tapping on another one creates an email. And then the fourth one uh, toggles the display of a menu of additional options. Right. So the way that fast active works by default is that it just, you know, you just throw it in there. And if you, if you do not change it at all, it, uh, it, applies an active class to any inputs or um, uh, a tags that your finger touches. But uh, I knew that that wouldn't be sufficient for everyone. In fact, people were asking for more more things in there, but I didn't want to bloat the code. So I just accept a callback into the main function that is the logic that you want to use. So if you want to use some kind of custom logic, uh, you just pass in this function that returns true or false, and when it returns true, the uh, element will get the active class added to it or toggled on it. So in my case, um, like the the way that it works basically is if is is very ephemeral, so mm. that if you tap on something and it becomes active, and then you say scroll the screen or tap somewhere else in the screen, it clears the active highlights, so you don't get like sticky active highlights. Um, but, but in this case, I did want to make the active highlight sticky so that the, um, you know, when the palette, I, I wanted the palette visibility and the highlight, the background highlight and the button to be bound to each other. Right. Right. Because the menu was staying open. Right. And if you, if you didn't do that, like originally I didn't do that and it worked, it worked great as long as you didn't scroll the screen while the palette was open. Uh, because if you did that, then it, when you scroll the screen, the active highlight went away and the palette was still visible because the, the palette is controlled by different JavaScript. 
Right. It just looked weird. Yeah, it just looked weird. And then if you tapped it, it would close the palette and activate the button. <laughs> so I wanted to bind those two things together. So what I did was uh, I just passed in some custom logic into Fast Active to ignore that button completely. And I just handled the highlighting with the same logic that showed and hid the uh, palette. Right. And then inside the palette, there were buttons that, you know, Fast Active did apply to. So it's, and let me tell you, it is, I mean, I know, I know I know this, and still I was surprised. It is shocking the improvement when you just add Fast Active to a web interface. Yeah, it is. Every, everything feels feels so much snappier. Oh, man. It is like, it just feels so solid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like instantly, you never, you don't have that 300 milliseconds of wondering if you tapped the right thing. And then that really janky gray flash on the button. So, um, so I have just continued to be impressed with myself <laughs> <laughs> with Fast Active because it's just, it's like 400 bytes of code that just, just is such a huge upgrade on your interface. So def- definitely check out Fast Active if you do web programming, and I know you do. All right, shall we dive into our feature? Sure. Continuing on our on our theme of making lists. <laughs> yes. It's so BuzzFeed of us. Yes. This one's much shorter, though. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to that last episode, dear listener. Hopefully it was uh, hopefully it was useful. I it went by fast when we recorded it, and listening back, editing it, it went by fast. I thought that was it was yeah. just chock a block full of awesomeness. Yeah. Oh, there <laughs> there are a couple of tools I have I have discovered since then. Oh, throw them in. Let's call this housekeeping. Um, uh, one I sent you a link to the other day, request bin. Oh yeah, which was an an interesting little little thing. It lets you basically lets you create a URL that you can then ping from from an API that you're developing, or or just send any kind of HTTP request to, and it gives you back a bunch of information about it. Yeah, that's so cool. You know what that'd be great for is testing webhooks on GitHub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's hard. It's that's difficult. It doesn't show the body of the request, though, does it? It just shows the headers. Uh, no, it shows the body. Does it? Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Because that would be absolutely perfect for for webhooks. Because webhooks, if they're not working, they just sort of, you don't know where they went. They're just like, did, right. it, did it fire? Did it not fire? Did my did I name the script wrong? Like, like what happened? And it just creates this, like, you just get this custom URL, and it, it does nothing but trap the request basically records the request and prints it to the screen so it's so it's like so simple but so smart yeah yeah i looked at it like hmm i could have built this app in about an hour and i'm wishing i had i know (laughs) i was kicking myself yeah yeah that's it's pretty slick it is it's cool i like it and the other one we were talking about um gui interfaces forget the other day Mm -hmm. um I'm normally very much a command line person, but I'm working on a project now that has a, a bunch of different people contributing, and as far as browsing commit history and managing merges and that sort of stuff, sometimes it's just easier to have the GUI. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been using Gitbox, which oh. is not not a it's a Mac app and it's not a free one, but it is in my opinion worth worth the uh, the twenty dollar price tag. Cool. Have you used the Git native the what do you GitHub client? Yeah, I've, I've used GitHub's client, and I like GitHub's client a lot. But this particular repository is not hosted on GitHub. Ooh. So. Is the GitHub app limited to GitHub? Uh, I don't know. I feel like it might be, or yeah. it used to be. It may not be now. Mm. Um. I'm, Never I'm, occurred I'm not to sure. me. 
Never occurred yeah. to me. I I want to say it's just for GitHub projects. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I definitely prefer Gitbox over GitX. Yeah, GitX is very bare bones, like yeah. Java looking client. The the yeah. only time I find myself using a, a GUI client for Git is when I've made a lot of. So sometimes I'll make like a lot of changes. I'll just be on a tear, mm-hmm. and then I will want to go back and stage individual not files but individual chunks right as different I'm put commits. everything in one giant commit yeah and that's a re- that's not easy on the command line i don't no, even know not. how to do it you gotta you gotta stash certain files and then, then unstash and yeah you, you can do it but it's a pain yeah so it's super easy with a graphical client you just like add this one to the commit and you know write the message so that's yeah. in fact that is why do you remember when i was first starting with commit i was like wait a second you have to add files to be committed <laughs> I didn't realize that because all of my I did initially all of my committing I did through GitX and right. the 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 process of adding a file is so transparent it's so obvious and transparent in the interface that it didn't even occur to me that you had to do it manually on the command line. So ah that's great advice I might check that out. So now let me ask a quick question. Okay. Can you launch Gitbox from the terminal from the directory that you're in? I don't know. It's not something I've tried to do. (laughs) That's my favorite feature of GitX. So if like you're in a Git repo, you just type Mm -hmm. GitX and it opens and it's pointed at that directory and it shows you everything that's going on there. I feel like you could probably set up an alias to do it really easily if if it's not a a, a baked in feature. That's a good point. I I wish that were true of MAMP. Do you know how to? So we're getting off topic already, but but the the main thing I don't like about MAMP is that you can't. I, I wish I could launch it from the directory I'm in, and have it point at that directory. Right. You you have to launch MAMP, and then you have to tell it to start the server. You have to click a button to start the server. And edit your preferences. And edit your yeah it's yeah a pain in the ass. Yeah, you could always use the um. Well, no, because then you wouldn't have. Does, doesn't the newest version of PHP have a, like a basic web server built in? I've, you know, I've heard that, and I looked into it and couldn't either make it work or I had some problem. Like maybe I don't have the version of PHP that works. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're, what you were about to say was that you can start a server in any directory using like what Ruby or or pretty much. I was going to say Python simple HTTP server. Yeah, but you can, yeah, Ruby too. But it doesn't. It's just static like HTML, yeah. CSS, and JavaScript. So if you're doing like a PHP site right, right. or whatever. I think PHP has the built-in server, but you'd, you know, you'd still need a database and, and all that. So you'd probably, for simplicity, just don't want to go with MAMP. Uh, well, lately, most of my databases are hosted remotely, so I don't have mm. to worry about that. Even even when developing? Uh, yeah. Because mm, cause like, I, you know, it's since I have good internet, <laughs> oh, right. I switch between a lot of devices when I'm developing to test on yeah. all different ones. So I don't necessarily want to, yeah, even when I'm developing, it's usually a remote database. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah, I'm working, right. on, if I'm working on the database, then maybe not. But usually yeah. the database is the first thing I set up and you don't have to muck around with it too much after that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my, my internet connection is. <laughs> yeah. My, my big upgrade yesterday. <laughs> That's harsh. I upgraded and I still get uh, slower internet than the average 4G connection, but faster than my 4G connection. Mm. Yeah, anyway. That rots. Well, it's a good thing you know how to SSH. Yeah. All right, cool. So 
Uh, I think that does it for housekeeping. Yes, let's dive into our list. Yes, our list. Coming <coughs> in at number one. <laughs> no, go five, no, right? no. So we we've got to, we'll probably talk about ones that I didn't mention at the in the oh, opening. Oh, oh, oh. That that was the bit of housekeeping. Sorry to interrupt, but oh. um. Oh yes. Yes, Casey Kasem is in fact not dead. Yes, he is. Well, he wasn't last week. No. When we checked. <laughs> it's official. According yes. to the internet, Casey Kasem is like 81 and kicking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk APIs, shall we? Yes. Uh, okay. So the one that I think all of these are relatively, I, I would say all of these are relatively new to us in terms of depth of experience, but um, I think all of them we have enough experience with to have an opinion. Yeah. The one that uh, we've got, we meaning you, have mm-hmm. the most experience with out on the list is Stripe, I would say. So let's start with that one. Yes. Um, I've recently started using Stripe on a project, and I love it. <laughs> so tell people what Stripe does. Uh, Stripe is basically it's credit card processing and subscription management uh, for, for recurring billing and, and one-time billing and, uh, yeah, yeah, just um, uh, payment processing. Yeah, it's kind of like PayPal without the suck. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, which, and more, more features. Yes. So, um, yeah, so where, I mean, just, uh, it's probably, I know it's a huge topic. It's a very complicated API. It, it is. In the it, sense that it has lots of features. Yeah, it's complicated in the sense that it has lots of features. But the thing they've done really well is they've made all of that uh, simple to use. I mean, it's the, the way it all works is it's very straightforward and it's very good documentation. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if you're logged in to their, uh, if you're logged into Stripe when you're viewing the documentation, it actually uses your stuff in the example documentation, <laughs> which makes it super easy to, it makes it very relatable. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So you can just yeah. cut and paste code into the terminal yeah, and like bang, it yeah. works. Yeah, basically. Yeah, Parse, Parse does that too, which Parse is another really popular API, but I have, I've only played with it and I have no intention of actually using it on a project, so I'll probably leave it off this list, but the documentation is such a sick. It's so awesome. Yeah. yeah, we were both excited about it and then Facebook bought it. Yes, I don't know why. It shouldn't be a turnoff, but it really is. Yeah, it really is. But uh, but yeah, Stripe's, Stripe's API, I find it to be very intuitive. I mean, they're in terms of once you figure out what you want to do, it's it's very intuitive to make the API do that. But uh, payment processing in and of itself, and, and this is going to come as a shock to absolutely no one, has a lot of moving parts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, And it does. so, I mean, it's not like, you know, they, they give you a nice dashboard where you can see and manage all the stuff. But if you want to, if you want to do it through the API, <clears throat> then, you know, you, you have to. You, you're making a lot of a lot of API calls, mm-hmm. and um, but yeah, it's I just I've I've really enjoyed working with it. Yeah, cool. So that that's actually on a, a project that we're both working on, and you know, a couple of months that it should be out. I think we should at least have it to beta in yeah. March. That's the goal. So be very exciting to see that go live. Yeah, it will be. The other, th- I guess, it's worth mentioning that the the fees, et cetera, are, are reasonable with Stripe. They like keep it at a mm-hmm. level where you're like, you're like, you know, building this on my own is worth giving them two percent or whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. If you're like, if you're just 
like you say, maybe you freelance and you want to integrate it in some kind of billing system or just something something in-house. And I like if I wanted to integrate it into Itemize for for all your casual invoicing needs. <laughs> um, uh, for you you don't have to have a merchant account. Really, With a lot of a lot of other payment processing companies, you have to actually have a merchant account. Right. Wait, you don't need a merchant account regardless. Like right. anybody doesn't. Is that true? Right, right. You are, You don't need, like for instance, if you're going to sign up with VeriSign and do your payment processing through VeriSign, VeriSign wants you to have a merchant account. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with Stripe, you can just you know, use any old bank account. Mm, but it's. I think it's limited to the U.S., isn't it? Uh you can take payments from anywhere in the world, but I think you have to be in the U.S. or a U.S. company. Until recently. They recently started, uh, I don't know if it's fully rolled out yet, but I think they're at least beta testing uh, U.K. Oh, cool. And um, might be U.K. Uh, I, I, don't know, I remember seeing a tweet <laughs> that, that they were... <laughs> Therefore. That it, it was that they were now... Uh. Um, Either either in or beta testing in in some other country. That does and I sound think familiar. it was the UK, but I don't remember exactly. Yeah, that does sound specifics familiar. on that. Well, it is it fair to say that uh, even if you weren't going to use Stripe, perusing their documentation and the way they have it set up and everything is uh, a a crash course in how to do it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm very excited about that, and I have. Places I could certainly use it on my, on, you know, for other things. So, yeah, yeah, I, I want to want to redo my billing system. I think because I'm using an the the one I like, the, or the one I'm using, I, I like quite a bit. But I just I want to have my own. <laughs> I mm. didn't write it, so yeah, I can't. I'm just not comfortable until I've written the whole thing. So that's uh, that's awesome. You should add it to itemize. That would be cool. Yeah, I've thought about it. Uh, great. So that's Stripe. Check it out. Stripe.com, right? Yes. Awesome. Uh, let's move on to the other heavy hitter on the list. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess they all are, but uh, Dropbox. Dropbox. This is the one you've been playing with. Yeah, this is actually... The same project. Same project. <laughs> this is a pretty interesting project that I, I cannot wait until we can announce. But uh, Dropbox isn't the same... It's an API in the traditional sense and it's an application programming interface but it's not a rest api which i think is fair for something like dropbox because the 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 point of dropbox is to make file transfer like like drop dead simple uh and by integrating into your os like a regular you know like your own finder system your own your own file system right and so we've got this situation where, you know, there's a web app and one of the things that you do in the web app is you upload a bunch of files and that's great, but uh, it's great if you're just, you know, creating one batch of files at a time. But if you want to automate the process of creating these batches of files or, or processing these batches of files, uh, it's, it's, there's no simple way to do it without, you know, we've, we have a, uh, a beta version of an API or a, I don't know. Is it fair to say alpha, beta? I don't know, but we have an API. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd call it a very, a very alpha. Yeah, but you, but you need to be, you know, there's programming involved, obviously. So on the, if somebody wanted to set up a workflow that used this system, they would either either we or they would have to set up a client application to do that, and that's not it's no small task. 
So uh, what if, it occurred to me, what if they could just drop a batch of uh, files into a folder in Dropbox and have the system take over from there? So I was like, boy, that would be really cool. But in my experience, Dropbox is just like a, a Mac or Windows application or iOS or Android application that runs with a GUI and, you know, maybe they have an API, maybe they have some kind of something. Uh, so, of course, the web app is hosted on a Linux server, Ubuntu server. So we were like, hmm, I wonder if there's if there's a way to install it on Linux with a sort of, you know, over, you know, over SSH. So that connector, yeah. Right. And sure enough, there is. And not only is there, but it's wicked easy. <laughs> so it's so well, it was like apt get yeah totally you just you just like uh uh it was a, it was a little weird i think it was uh wget and then a couple of custom steps there's like a python script that you run mm. it wasn't like super duper uh it wasn't like i don't know it wasn't like apt get and done yeah but, but it was just like it was wicked easy like like download untar download untar and oh, run this file and make yeah yeah no not even oh just run the, it's literally the run python the python file, file and it'll do it for you right and and you get um so it's not like a rest api but you do get a, a command line interface to dropbox which is you'd think would be like crazy because dropbox is all about the the gui really but it's i mean it feels like it's all about the gui but making it really simple to integrate into your file system but it, it's really only about it's less than a dozen commands mm-hmm. like start and stop the the listening process start and stop the connection basically and uh geez what else was there's status you know if it's syncing or not and you know, there's a couple of other syntactical sugar yeah. type things like you know just, i didn't even pay attention to because i don't need them and it's like, it's sick. So if you think about this, a uh, possible application could be uh, install Dropbox on your web server. It'll take you about five minutes and run it and then point your web, your whatever your host, mm-hmm. you know, like Apache or whatever at your Dropbox folder. And then on your desktop, whatever desktop or your iPhone or whatever, you could edit files in Dropbox and it'll automatically sync and, and push it up to your server. And you have some very basic versioning when you do that. Exactly. Yeah, you can you can roll back. You can. So here's here's the thing that's really cool for our particular situation. It would be cool for a lot of people, is it's really easy to share Dropbox folders securely with particular people. So you could relatively easily grant access to anybody who's allowed to edit your website, let's say, and just make it go to town. So if you're using something like Jekyll or Margot or any of these sort of static static esque markdown style blogging solutions it's just like yeah yeah it's just like (laughs) great i mean it's basically ftp it's like you could kind of do this with ftp but it's so much more you know because you've got this you've got syncing you've got it automatically replicated across all these machines so you've got all kinds of fault tolerance you've got versioning it's you've got really easy uh permissions dropbox handles all that stuff that's such a pain to program yeah, like I wouldn't want to use it for a complicated deployment of a big web app no. because there are just there are better tools for that, and the syncing can get out of sync, and the version control is not perfect. Yeah, but absolutely. For, but for something simple, like you said, like a like a like a Margot blog or something like that, yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, it's it's insane. And so there's a, there actually is a product called Harp.io that I probably almost certainly is using this approach. Um, but it, it's just fantastic. So it, I actually to test it. I installed it on my um, DigitalOcean server, mm-hmm. and, which is just a small. I don't even know. It's probably like I don't know eight gigabyte hard drive because there's like just text files on it. It's no big deal. Are you using are you using the smallest one? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's like yeah, five dollars like a month. Yeah, it's like five hundred twelve megs of RAM, and I think a ten gig. 10 gig drive or something. It, I think you're right. I think it is a 10 gig drive. And I've got like, you know, a dozen sites hosted on it because they're, they're all small. You <laughs> right, know, it's just right. some PHP files. So, uh, yeah. So I'm like, I got to try this out. So I like, I start it up. I, I turn it on. I th- uh, how does the authentication work? Oh, so the, uh, the, uh, the way that you authenticate it and link it to your account, mm-hmm. you can actually do it completely windowless if you need to. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't. I didn't go through that process because I didn't. You know, I had obviously I was on a Mac. I had access to a website. So it's when you start it, it says it says the Dropbox service is running, but it's not linked to any account yet. Uh, visit this URL in a browser to link to it. You like literally copy out of the terminal this URL. You paste it into a browser. It asks you for your username and password, and the the Linux web server is linked to your account, and syncing starts. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's like so easy. I literally, it took me longer to find the instructions than to actually follow them. <laughs> so I go through the whole thing and I'm like, and at first I thought it wasn't working, but I have, you know, I have like, well, how, let's say it tells you, doesn't it? Uh, I have 50 gigabytes of data in Dropbox. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, can you selectively sync? Like maybe I just want to sync one server to yeah. my Linux, or one folder to my Linux. Server. Yeah, you can. You you can do it on the command line. You can go through. I, I don't know if you've if you know this, but in drop in the Dropbox GUI, you just go to Advanced Preferences, and there's a list of folders, and you just tick the box next to the ones that you want to sync. Right. So like on my um, on my little, uh, it's not an iPad. What's it called? My MacBook Mac Air? MacBook Air. Yeah. My MacBook Air, funny that I got those two confused. <laughs> uh, my MacBook Air, I don't have the, like, the camera uploads folder synced. Uh, there's a, I, I just have, like, four or five folders synced because I have a ton of legacy, sort of, like, old product, project right, info right. from, like, 2006, 2007, yeah. 2008. So, um, on the bigger machines, I don't worry about it. I just sync everything, but... Uh, on the Linux machine, I didn't even really think about the size, the DigitalOcean box, and I just like let it go, <laughs> and uh, you know came back later and it was like sync error, disk full, <laughs> you know. Like, but it was what? smart. It stopped before it actually filled up the disk. It was like I, you know, it it was like I'm totally going to fill up the disk, so I'm just stopping now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was. Can, I was just wondering if you can configure all that before you start the sync process. You can. Yes, the command line interface does give you the option to uh, selectively pick. Um, selectively pick uh, folders inside of the main Dropbox folder. So that is cool, but that sounded kind of tedious to me. And uh, the work is for a client, so obviously I'm not going to put it in my Dropbox. So this raised an interesting situation, which is that you can't have two Dropboxes on the same machine. Mm. So when when you, like I never thought about it, but yeah, that makes sense, I guess, because you'd need like two instances of it and it doesn't really run in a window. So like, what do you do? Um, but yeah, so what you, so there's sort of two approaches that you could take. I could create a client folder inside of my Dropbox folder and then just sync that one on the server. 
-hmm. but then still everything's in my Dropbox, which I don't want. So what I had to do is, um, create is basically on, uh, on one machine. Fortunately, I have several machines on one machine. Uh, I created a client Dropbox, like a, a brand new free account for the client that I'll eventually hand over to the client. And, um, but for the time being that want my one, that one machine that I have is that is synced to that Dropbox and not to my real one. So all of the, all my development and testing happens there. Right. That's, that's like my fake client machine. So, um, in the future they are, they currently Dropbox offers business accounts and in the future you'll be able to have your personal Dropbox and your business Dropbox installed on the same machine, but that is not the case yet. So that is, I mean, I am super excited about that because all of that BS, like file copying, plumbing is just no fun to write. It's just a disaster. And the, and it creates this huge potential training issue because if this service is used by lots of customers, I, you know, I don't want to get involved with like teaching them how to use FTP or right. teaching how, like all how to of use this, this custom app. Yeah. yeah like what, like nightmare nightmare all the way around and no added value so it's just like uh you got dropbox yeah we have dropbox okay i'm going to share a folder with you just drop your images in there done right share and then and then i have sharing turned on for all the users in that folder so oh is there anybody else in your office that needs to drop file okay just share it with them from there and done mm-hmm. and done this makes it very simple yeah yeah so very, very cool. So kudos to Dropbox for going to like going the extra mile and creating like a Linux. It's basically a Linux client, windowless Linux client. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. Massively useful. And you can imagine if they had just started with like a web interface or like a, just their, you know, if they didn't start out thinking like that, it would probably be really weird to do it after the fact. But I get the, I really get the feeling that that's where they, they started with like getting the guts of it working. Because like every once in a mm-hmm. while, it, th- it throws like some log stuff and you're like, oh my God, there's a lot going on. <laughs> so very, very cool. Nice. So next up is GitHub. I did not realize, I mean, I've used GitHub webhooks, but I had no idea that GitHub had an API. Yeah, they have a, they have a fairly massive API. And I've, I've only scratched the surface of it because anything you could ever want to do on GitHub, you can do through their API. <laughs> Wow. And and any information you could ever want, I mean, you get back some requests that just have, did you hear my cat like throwing himself at the office door? That was the cat? That was the cat. Dang. He sits there and he meows and you don't let him in, he starts throwing himself at the door. <laughs> at first? Yeah. <laughs> so you, but, cu- you cut out a little bit there, so before I think from the volume of the cat smashing down <laughs> your door. so. So... You, you, I think it sounded like you said that the volume of information you get back is like potentially enormous. Yeah, yeah, it's just you. You can get it's just massive amounts of, of information, and um, I mean, basically anything you would ever want to know, or you you can get through the GitHub API, and it's just I I love it for how thorough and complete it is. But you do sometimes get get back massive responses that you just have to chew through, mm. and then some of it can be fairly deeply nested. But you got to give them points for for thoroughness. <laughs> yes, big fan of that. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of things do you imagine doing? Like maybe, like what would you do with a GitHub API that you that would they would want to 
for, like so for me like you know naturally the the interface the the web interface mm-hmm. is pretty thorough but it is complicated there are a lot of things you can do what sorts of things would you potentially want to automate with the API or or create a client for um let's say maybe you maybe say maybe you have a third party support ticket system that you're that you're using to to talk to customers mm-hmm. and you want to be able to relate support ticket issues to open open uh, or support tickets to open github issues yep for instance that's a great one yeah perfect oh that's super cool which is was actually what i was starting to do with it mm. until i ran out of motivation <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was one of those copious free time projects right i could also imagine um I don't know, maybe doing something with like GitHub pages so you don't, mm-hmm. it's already so easy to just push though. I, like, yeah, it is. Pages are so easy to just push. But um, uh, I'd also thought about just creating like a dashboard of, of several different web apps that like, oh, here's all your payments from Stripe and here's latest commits to your projects on GitHub and, and, and that kind of thing. Oh, that's a good idea too. Yeah, just sort of mash up yeah. uh, a bunch of different services. Yeah, into and like make that my browser homepage. <laughs> nice. That's a really good idea, actually. So you've yeah, got there are, there are a couple of apps that do that, and we we can link to in the show notes. But cool. I've always kind of wanted to do my own. I could also imagine like like creating an app that just slices off a bit of the functionality, like mm-hmm. like just does gists, for example. Yeah. Or like if you wanted if you wanted, uh, I don't know. I, I'm reaching, but. I, I could imagine wanting to slice off just pieces of functionality and making like a native Android or iOS app. Right. Like just like issues. Like here's your app for making gists. Exactly. Yeah. Or which would be brutal to do on a phone, but so that's not the greatest example, but issues would be a good, a good one. Like say, yeah. you know, I've got, I just want to see my issues on, on my phone. I want to get a push like, notification when someone opens an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, Git has, GitHub has a native client, which probably does that, but um, but yeah, the dashboard idea, the mashup idea is, re- is really practical as is, um, you know, integration with other systems. Yeah. That's, that's the obvious one. Now that you think, now that you mention it, side note, was it code base that you were talking about last week that you, you would consider as an alternative to Basecamp? I think it was. Yes. Yeah. It turned, turns out our good friends, <laughs> was that the cat? Yes, that was the cat. How big is that thing? Like eight pounds. That's a small cat. No, I'm gonna have to let him in. Hang on. Determined. You didn't hear them, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I need to sleep on that keyboard immediately. <laughs> yes, I must curl up next to your microphone and purr loudly. <laughs> <laughs> What's your door made out of? Speaker cone. <laughs> That's a wooden door. Guess so. It's a hollow wooden door. But. Anyway. <laughs> Cattering ram. <laughs> you hear him now? Yes. <laughs> that's kind of soothing. I like that. Yeah, it is. Which is, that's, that's yeah. He does that at like five o'clock in the morning. When uh, I, I, don't, I don't like that. No. I would like, just out of instinctually, half asleep, I would jam a binky in his mouth. <laughs> Yeah, the the five o'clock in the morning. I, I quite often wake up to meow, meow, no, meow, no. thud. <laughs> yeah, that would equal dead cat in my house. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I love cats. They're delicious. 
so let's see. Um, yeah, so cool. I think that's probably. Is there more on GitHub, or do you think that's? Uh, no, I think that's it. It's it's OAuth authentication, and um, uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. So moving on, this will be a short one because I haven't done it yet, but I have a big uh, Twilio advisory project that I'm going to be working on shortly. I'm uh, pretty excited about this. It's kind of a it's kind of a make the world a better place do gooder side project, mm-hmm. um, and it is I think it's it's probably safe to talk about it a little bit. It's uh, the idea is to create a smoking cessation application for teens that they can interact with over SMS exclusively so that uh, it is because I guess the the teen population that's being targeted is is only about 25% to somewhere between 25 and 50% uh, have actually have smartphones right but everybody's got a cell phone and can send and receive SMS so um, yeah, so it's a it's a pure SMS application. So and, and teens love their texting anyway. So. Sh- those crazy teens. Yeah, they sure those do. Those crazy kids. <coughs> Grow up so darn fast. Yeah. So yeah, uh, so I'm super stoked to be using the Twilio API. We've uh, we have um, played with it in the past and been blown away by how it totally like <laughs> it's kind of a cliche, but it totally just works. It does, and uh, and we set up um, Avalio. It's been going strong. It's, if they're charging me, I don't know about <laughs> it. I think it's as far as I know, it's free, uh, and you know, for for low volume. Yeah, and, for, for low volume, it's. I think I put like twenty bucks in it a year, two years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's something like a tenth of a cent per SMS in the U.S. or something ridiculous. So yeah, so Twilio API is really, it, it actually does a lot of different things. There's all kinds of telephony things you can do with it. But the thing that I most like is the, is being able to create applications that run over SMS. Yeah. And to be able to text commands to a phone number and have things happen on a web server and it return information to you or, or send questions back to you. And you can say yes or no, or, or pick from a list, uh, you know, you know, pick one of the following options. One, uh, whatever, crush your cigarettes. Yeah. Two, smoke your cigarettes. Three. <laughs> you know, whatever. And, uh, uh, it, that just, the power of that just blows my mind. Of course, it's because, you know, you and I are both very command line friendly people and SMS is kind of like, uh, yeah, SMS feels like command line for the cell phone. <laughs> yeah. But it's so focused and it's so, it is. there's no, like, there's no, like information hierarchy. There's no, well, there is, but I mean, not visual, there's mm-hmm. not like a GUI. There's not like a visual hierarchy of information. It's like everything is an instantaneous call to action. There's only one thing to respond to. It's like a web page with one thing on it. Right. Which I just absolutely love. And yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of simple tools that do one thing well. Yes. And that is the future, babies. So, <coughs> um, yeah, huge fan of this. And I'm looking forward to... Um, to reporting on any surprises that we get along the way. The basic concept is to have a, a database, which is kind of a, it's basically going to be a database representation of a decision tree. So, you know, if there'll be like a series of commands that you can text to a number, uh, including registration, et cetera, et cetera. So there'll be a list of, of capabilities. And then, um, it's kind of like, uh, uh, in any given situation, the, the, the teen will type like 
like craving to te- text craving to one, two, three, four, five, or, or text help to one, two, three, four, five, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then it'll say, it'll, it'll like say, well, you know, blah, 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 and respond to that based on their profile. Cause like, it'll know their, it'll know the phone number it came from. It'll know the, they would have already filled out a, just a brief survey and then the the system can basically reference a knowledge base that is specific to their background and the situation they're currently experiencing and then send back suggestions try that text me back in 10 minutes uh 10 minutes later said you didn't text me back what well how did it go right and then you just like they answer one way or the other and then you say if it didn't work then okay here's another idea and it's uh it's the immediacy of it and the, um, the reach. So like anybody yeah. with a cell phone is, is, will be able to engage with the application. So, and the, and obviously the do the goody two shoes aspect of it, the three reasons why I, I had to say, yes, <laughs> let's do this. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds like a fun project. So I think I honestly, this is famous last words, but I don't think my part's going to be that big a deal. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like defining all of that, all of the, all of the questions and the decision Mm -hmm. tree and all that flow. That's somebody else's job. And I just need to make the SMS piece work. So, um, you're basically just, just be working with the API. Yeah, exactly. It's like, here you go. Done. So very interesting. Fun. Yeah, that is going to be fun. Um, all right. So we, we brought up, that was the end of our basic list, you know, sort of, sort of teasingly, we said not Facebook. <laughs> I haven't used the Facebook API cause every time I look at it, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a huge pain. Yeah. It's the, the thing that I dislike the most about it is it, fe- so tell me if I'm wrong because it's, mm-hmm. I know that it changes a lot. Yeah. Uh, relatively considering how big a product it is. Uh, it always seemed like a sort of a afterthought, like, like slapped on, bolted on later and, and like, and basically very JavaScript website based. So you have a massive amount of JavaScript you have to include in your website in order to get access Mm to some, some frankly useful features, but you know, at, at what cost? Right. And there's like the most annoying part I found is like, there's 9,000 different versions of the Facebook API. Mm-hmm. And there's documentation for 9,000 different versions of the Facebook API. The documentation, last time I read it, made no distinction about what version it was for. Mm. So you're looking at something and like, why doesn't this work? It's like, oh, yeah. it's for a different version. It's for the version from 2007 or, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's <clears throat> horrible, horrible mess of, of, it's just like not organized at all. <laughs> mm. Seems like that would make it really hard to find answers on Stack Overflow too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's just the the whole like like you said, it feels like an afterthought, and the whole thing is representative of that. It's just like it's just a tangled mess. It's like mm-hmm. like working with the Facebook API is like sitting down with the Christmas lights that have been in the attic <laughs> for ten years and and trying to get them all untangled and working. <laughs> That's exactly my. That is exactly my reaction. That's so funny. I was just like, I'm not, you know, I'll buy new ones. I'm not messing yeah. with that. I have better things to do with my time. <laughs> now, the extent of my Facebook integration uh, has been very limited to a deprecated <coughs> P3 
page called sharer.php mm-hmm. that you can create a uh, is it, that's the the thing the thing that really bugs me about it is it's only javascript that really yeah. bothers me but the this one page will allow you to put a link a non javascript link on your site that just has url parameters that mm-hmm. point to a page that populate pre-populate a form when you get there. Right, so you can share something. Yeah, without JavaScript. Yeah, or uh, without having to set up an app in the Facebook developer. That too. Thing. Yes, that too. It's like, oh, we we want to be able to share post information, you know, that you should easily be able to do with with something something like that. But it's, oh, well, okay, first we have to go make this app, and then we have to, you know... Yeah. No, I don't want to. I don't want to set it up as an app. Yeah. On Facebook, I want to be able to, like, throw data at a URL and have it appear in my timeline. <laughs> yeah, it's like it doesn't need to be complicated. Yeah. It's like they're they're obviously the reason why obviously the reason why you know there's self serving reasons why they're doing it. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> so just obvious. I'm sure lots of people out there have no choice but to deal with the Facebook API. But if you if mm-hmm. Feel bad for those people. Yeah, if, I mean, if it's your only experience with working with APIs, it's not representative. No. Uh, we like prepping for the show. You mentioned to me that um, my new favorite simple hosting service, DigitalOcean, you informed me of, has a comprehensive but strange API. Yes, it's it's very. It's very simple to to do all of the things you would want to do in terms of uh, all their, their VPSs they call droplets. Mm-hmm. In terms of uh, getting data about them and provisioning and managing managing them and resizing, turn them on off, all that. It it's it's very straightforward and very simple to do, but it's it is very strange in that every call to the API, regardless of, of whether it's sending a command or or getting information. They're all GET requests with API keys and and secret tokens and things like that in the URL. Right, which is strange, alarming. It's like that is. is that is the so if you think back to when we first took our plunge with REST and probably two years ago, that is the yeah, way that, I that's the yeah. way I would like things, and and everybody was like, dude, you're high. They're, you're like, it's totally crazy. You're gonna ex- you're exposing information, that you- and I'm like, yeah, but who's gonna get it? And they're like, well, web server logs for one, or yeah. like server logs in between here and there, and you know, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess, but it's just calorie information for a particular person or whatever. But this is like, you can stop someone's server. Yeah. So it seems like, but uh, you know, as you put, as you pointed out, they're smart, so they must they must have kind of thought that through, or maybe they were like, this is just V1 of the API and it will be deprecated in favor of a REST API that uses post and headers and stuff like that. And that's the advantage of using authentication in headers, which I didn't, I didn't grok previously years ago. Yeah. Is that it's not really stored anywhere. I mean, theoretically it could be like people could sniff it, but but it's not by default. It's not by default. You can't, you're not going to accidentally, put something in a log file that shouldn't be. Yeah. You're not accidentally going to like it. Like let's say you bookmark it all this, you know, it's just like too easy to bookmark URLs and share URLs and accidentally expose your, your, yeah. It's the same reason why like, like 
years ago, PHP had the option if you if someone didn't have cookies enabled, you could yeah, persist the session, a session. session ID as a query string. Yeah, but that's a horrible idea because if someone if someone gets that session ID, they can act as you on the server without knowing your right. your login information. So it's Leave just yeah. vulnerable to man in the middle attacks and, and everything. Yeah, there's just lots of it's just too easy to to store URLs, so you don't mm-hmm. want sensitive information in them. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're storing them at work, your proxy server that you go through to get outside of your local network probably at your company probably stores them, and yeah. Yeah, so, you know. It's weird. It's weird, but. And, uh, yeah, that's like I don't want to bash them too much because they built a cloud hosting platform. Clearly, there's some intelligent people working there. Mm-hmm. So without knowing why they did it, I don't want to be like, oh, they're wrong and stupid and blah, blah, blah. But it's just, it's weird. I just, I don't understand it. Yeah. I mean, if they just took the key and put it in authorization header, it would be, yeah. it'd be, I mean, that's just that maybe that's, I don't know. Maybe that's an option. Like maybe it's optional to do it that way. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll email them and ask them about it. Like, you, like, yeah. Why'd you do it this way? One of, one of us, if you're going to do it, if you don't do it, I will. So. Yeah, I think it will. Yeah. If they email back and they say, oh, we didn't think of that. <laughs> then I'm going to switch hosts. Right. <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I got, I got to run. I got a thing in um, seven minutes. Well, that's perfect timing because that's We're our done. show for this week. <laughs> exactly. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye. Bye. Well, now he's throwing himself at the door to get out. Ah, this cat. He just doesn't like closed doors. He just doesn't. He's like a little cat in the Yeah, he's a free and open source cat. <laughs> free range cat. Free range kitty. He's an indoor only kitty. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what you guys probably have predators out there anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Predators and, and Yes. Well, we have a neighbor who walks their cat on a leash, so. <laughs> it's funny because it's like no one's enjoying the process. I don't know why they bother. <laughs> cat's just like, cat's just like, you know, daggers. I'm, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Why am I out? <laughs> you have failed me for the last time. I took my sp- I took my pet spider for a walk the other day, and it took two hours to get to the drive into the driveway. And the neighbors wondered why I was walking a leash. I mean, you know. <laughs>